Good morning, church. Those of you who are I'm blessed with your presence that are here and those that are on via media. It's really good to be back. I can see better without my glasses. Today we are continuing our season series on underdog faith by ta taking a look at underdog leadership. We have been studying the book of Philippians for the last several weeks, for the, but for this morning we're going to take a special diversion and return to Easter morning as it is presented in the Gospel of Luke 24 verses 1 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day arise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. All flesh is grass, and its beauty like the flower of the field. Grass withers, flower fades, but the word of God, God endures forever. Amen. A grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been gone for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's important for all of us uh, to, to take some time to break our routines and to get some rest and, and refreshment whenever we can, just take opportunities for renewal. So, so this, is, this is my first time back in about two weeks. And I want to thank you all, first of all, for allowing me to spend that time with my family, to get together with them, to just take a break, to recharge, to renew, all those sorts of things. But I've got to tell you, I am one of those people who, who I, I definitely need to get away every now and then, but I'm also that guy who loves to come back. I get, it's kind of like I get to the end of my leash, and then it's like, okay, now I'm snapping back, and I want to come home. I'm a homebody in many ways, and so it's good for, for me to be back here with you all. Just, your, just being here with you this morning just energizes me. It's so wonderful to be back among, uh, among God's people to be back here at First Pres and worshiping with you this morning. You know, this is, this is really cool because when I left, we were still meeting simply online and now we're back in person and it is, it is so much better 
being here with you, talking with you, preaching to live people instead of to a camera or a spotlight or something like that and, and pretending that you think my jokes are funny. Um, this is much better because now I can tell that you definitely don't think they are, but at least that's human feedback. So I appreciate that very much. Um, today is a very important Sunday in the life of our church because today's the day we designate as Leadership Sunday. In our early uh, traditional service, Today, we ordained and installed to office those men and women that you just saw before you a few minutes ago. These are the men and women that have been called to serve as elders and deacons for the upcoming year. And it's important that we recognize this important transition of leadership because, well, for one, in the church, we need to show that we can make transitions of leadership so that maybe our country might learn what a peaceful transmission of leadership looks like because we are in a leadership season here in our world right now. And we hope that this, that we, we pray that God will just, will just bless our country through this whole election political season. Um, but I'll tell you something else. One of the reasons why I think this, this leadership Sunday is so important in 2020 is this reason. Uh, my family and I just, we just traveled about 3,500 miles round trip across seven states twice. And what was, what was sort of staggering to me was that at every point along the way, people were, people were anxious. People were confused. People are just like us. They're trying to figure it out. I, you know, I think sometimes we think that the grass is greener someplace else and maybe they've got it figured out and if we could only figure it out, we would be happier. But the truth is, nobody's got this thing figured out. But what, we, what I think people have figured out is that the thing that we all need is good leadership right now. We all need leaders who are going to, who, who are going to, to move us forward and bring us together in one way or another. And so that's why this Leadership Sunday is so important. Now, I wanna tell you something about this group of leaders that you just met a few minutes ago. This group of men and women has been meeting together since May to train in the doctrine of our church, in the systems of our church, in the polity of our church, in the, uh, in the constitution of our church, in the vision, the mission, the strategy of our church. They have been getting together to, to study all of these things so that they will be ready to lead. But this group, everybody that you saw up here, they are a unique group of officers, uh, and a unique group of elders and deacons, because unlike any other group that I've ever worked with, this group was born completely in this pandemic season. I, I think of them as COVID natives in terms, of, in terms of a group of officers. What that means is that even though they were nominated before the pandemic began, they, they have served or they were trained completely with all of this going on. So, so when, they were, when they agreed to serve as elders and deacons, it was before the world shut down. And, and I remember something my uncle once said. He said, it was one thing to, to volunteer to be in the Navy the day before Pearl Harbor, and another thing the day after. And these folks not only said yes to that nomination, they showed up. They not only agreed to serve when it was going to be somewhat normal and bellwether and routine, they also decided that they would endure 
Zoom call after Zoom call. They did all their training online. I mean, I, I go back and I watch these Zoom meetings, these Zoom lectures that I was using to train them. And, th- and they were great. We had some interaction. But for the most part, it's a two-hour lecture of me on Zoom. And I just am watching these, watching these videos. I've decided I have produced the world's most boring television show. If you, really, if you really want to learn a lot about our church but fall asleep in the process, go watch these things. But, but they, have, they have really stepped up and said, you know what, I believe that God has called me for such a time as this. And I also want to say a word about our elders and deacons that have been serving up to this point, up through the last four months. Of course, the, the folks that you just saw here, they'll start their service tomorrow evening But we have a whole group of elders and deacons that have been serving up till now in prayer. They've been been studying God's word. They've been working together. And what's interesting is that none of them in 2017, 2018, 2019, when they were, when they were elected and ordained and installed, none of them, like none of us, had any idea of what was coming down the pike. But you know who did? The Lord did. God knew exactly what these elders, what these deacons, what these leaders would have to endure and the environment in which they would have to lead and that he knew exactly who he wanted on his leadership team for this church. And that just, that just sort of blows me away. That our God is so great and his providence is so thorough that he even knew back then not only who was going to be serving from this point on, but who was going to be serving leading up into this crisis. And so I look around this room and I see elders in this room, deacons in this room who were elected 2017, 2018, 2019. And I'm sure wish that they, you know, maybe at times have thought, well, I wish I had known what was coming. I might not have said yes, but, but they all did. And I think it's important for us to recognize that because this is an unprecedented time in the life of this church. And this is a time of un, for unprecedented leadership. I believe that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoken through this congregation and called these men and women to leadership right now. Right now. And so today, as we think about what leadership, what kind of leadership is necessary, not only in our world, but in our church, I want us to go to to the ordination vows that these men and women just took a little bit earlier in this earlier service. Um, there are 10 vows that each of these elders and, and deacons take. And each one of those vows, first they begin by confessing their sin to, uh, before Jesus Christ, by confessing their dependence on him. But as you go through the, as you go through the vows, they, they, they begin to impress certain things upon those who take them. And I want to just share with you the eighth vow of the 10 that these men and women took this morning. The eighth vow is this. Will you, pr- will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Now, I want you to notice something about this vow. It does not mention skills. What does it mention? It mentions character. When facing unknown challenges, character is more important than any skill set or resource 
or talent or physical strength or educational opportunity or, or credit or wealth or position. Character is what carries leadership through uncertain times. You know, the truth is, we don't know what is around the corner for this church, for our country, for our city, for our community. We have no idea what is going to happen next. We don't know what skills will be required in the coming days or weeks or months or years. But we do know elements of character that will help us to mature in our love for Jesus Christ, our love for one another, and our love for the neighborhood and the nations. We know that there are certain elements of character that will help us to lift up Jesus Christ so that all people may see him and be drawn to him. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what I've called an underdog faith. An underdog faith is a faith that no one expects from people that no one expects in circumstances that you would never expect. An underdog leadership, then, is the exercise of energy, intelligence, imagination, and love that you would never expect from people you would never expect in circumstances that you would never expect. In uncertain times, what the church needs are people who are committed to the glory of God's holiness, to the lordship and supremacy of his son, Jesus Christ, to the authority of God's Holy Spirit and his word, to the mission of his kingdom, and a love for God's people. And they must be people who are ready to lead with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. Let's, I want y'all to say those with me. Energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. Very good. Okay. So let's start by, let's, let's go back to Easter morning. We, as, as Carl said, we're diverting from our study of Philippians today because this, this idea, this, this sermon in a sense, German, began to germinate back on Easter as I was thinking toward people leading through this pandemic season. And, and I just kept coming back to the story of Mary Magdalene on Easter morning because she was one of those first people who saw the risen Christ and she was one of the first witnesses of the risen Christ and she became one of the very first leaders of the early church. So I want to go back to the example of Mary as an example of energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. First of all, energy. Luke says that, uh, that Mary was a person of extraordinary energy. You know, Mary felt all of the pain and all of the trauma that had been experienced by the rest of the disciples on Good Friday. She had seen Jesus killed. She'd seen his body lowered from the cross. She had seen his body carried to the tomb. She had seen him die. She was there for all of that grotesque horror from cross to grave. No one knew better than Mary Magdalene that Jesus of Nazareth was really and truly dead. And that level of trauma should have crushed her. I mean, the world that she knew had collapsed. The life that she knew and for which she was planning was over. But then listen to what Luke says. Luke says, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, meaning Mary and some other women, went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. You know, if I had seen what Mary Magdalene had seen on Good Friday, I would have been paralyzed. Paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by confusion, paralyzed by depression, paralyzed by exhaustion. 
It would have been so easy for her on that morning, instead of getting up to take those spices to the tomb, it would have been so easy for her just to roll over and say, it's too much. I can't do it. I'm worn out. Somebody else will take care of it. But she didn't. What did she do? She and the others got up and they went to the tomb. I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. Certainly not even out of the door. But as depleted as she was, Mary and the others got out of bed and they got the team together to go and perform a service for the sake of Jesus' body and his memory. When it comes to leadership, we need people of energy. People not just who feel like they are bouncing around all the time, like they've always got so much energy that they just can't contain it, but people who even when they're depleted and exhausted and confused and scared are willing to get up and go and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, our lives are so ridiculously turned over right now. And it would be so easy to give in to the exhaustion of this crisis. And the truth is, we don't have unlimited energy. And so an important part to understand the energy required for leadership is to understand that it's not just about the energy we receive, it's about the energy, or how we allocate that energy. Am I going to use all of my energy for my stuff? Or am I going to use my energy for the work that the Lord has set before me? Am I going to just use it to kind of get me through the day? Or am I going to turn it outward and find a way to use it for the people that God has, put, has, has placed me with or the opportunities that he's set before me? Am I going to prioritize God's kingdom work, giving it my best or my freshest? Or am I going to put everything else first? Here's the key. It's not that Mary had more energy than anybody else. It's that Mary made herself available to the Lord. Are you making yourself available to God? Available for service to others? Or have you got a schedule that is so packed, so energy consuming that there's just nothing left for God or his people? We need to be people of energy we need to pray that God would help us to reshape our hearts and our minds and to reset our priorities so that we don't end up spending all of our energy in either selfish or self-destructive ways. Because right now, people need leaders of energy. Number two, intelligence. Right now, we are all being covered in an avalanche of information and misinformation. Historical facts, Medical facts, scientific facts, economic facts, political facts. You may have heard the old expression that everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but everyone is not entitled to his own facts. Sadly, I think that that expression no longer has traction. Here's the problem. One of the great challenges of this moment in our history is that there, are, there is no common consensus on what defines or establishes a fact. In the COVID-19 coverage and debates in our country right now, both sides keep telling the other to follow the science, respect the data. The problem is 
that there's not just one position of science and not just one data or fact set at play. Each side appeals to its own sources, its own side, its own trove of information and data so that within its own framework, it can make a rational case. And there's just no consensus on the sources or the standards or the methods for, for establishing fact. And so whether we're talking about a pandemic or issues of social justice or history or politics or economics, everybody has their appeals to their own sources of opinion so that they can make their own arguments. Everybody has their own opinions and their own set of facts to make it valid and to back it up. And the problem is there's no bridge. There's no common ground linking these two camps. And that's why we need to pray for leaders of intelligence. And not just intelligent in the sense of having more or the right information. We need leaders of wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, in the biblical sense and in the godly sense, it means people who, listen to this, people who know the word of God and people who know the world and people who know the difference. Because we need leaders not only who have all of the information, all of the facts produced by libraries or by excavations or laboratories. We need people who take as fact the revelation of God. Because if we consider just the facts of the, of the laboratory or the, uh, or the excavation, then we're going to miss out on the facts of eternity. Because the picture of this universe, the, the reality of this world in which we live and move and have our being is bigger than simply a Wikipedia search. There is truth in eternity beyond our current situation and fact set. And so we need to pray that our leaders would not just know the facts from the lab or the excavation, but they would know the facts revealed by God. Last week, Mitchell mentioned that one of the keys to obedience is knowing God's word. We can't know God's will unless we know his word. And so we need leaders and we need people in the church to know God's word. Now I want you to think about Mary again. Mary was intelligent. She had witnessed the indisputable fact that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified and died on the cross. She had seen him die. She had seen his dead body lowered from the cross. She had seen him buried. His death had been certified by his enemies. And when it came to killing people, the Romans knew what they were doing. Mary was not delusional. Jesus was dead and she accepted the fact of Jesus' death. But here's the thing. She didn't have all the facts. Nobody had all the facts until Easter morning. Jesus' death was not the last word. It was not the last fact in the equation. On Easter morning, a new, staggering, world-changing fact was introduced in the, into the equation. Jesus was alive. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. 
God the Father, the creator of the universe, sovereign Lord of all, had acted with his power to raise his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And when Mary Magdalene saw that Jesus was alive, she knew that the words of the angel to Mary, his mother, were, were true, that with God nothing is impossible. Mary was not only intelligent, she was intelligent enough to accept all of the facts, including the new fact that Jesus was alive, as unbelievable as that may seem. And when she saw Jesus alive for the first time, everything that she considered once to be unimaginable suddenly became imaginable. And that's why the third quality of underdog leadership is imagination. Do you all remember the pony joke that I've told probably three or four times in the last month? I'm not going to tell it again. Ask somebody around you if somebody knows the pony joke. But the pony joke relates to this point in this way. Underdog leaders are the people who had the imagination to look for the pony under the pile of manure. You're like, what is he talking about? Ask somebody. They know the pony joke. Underdog leaders are those people who have the, who have the imagination to look for the pony under the pile of manure. They are the people who keep going and keep leading because they believe in what God can do, that he can turn all things to his purposes, that he has proven his power to overturn even death with resurrection life. Now, here's the difference between us and the disciples 2,000 years ago. The disciples saw Jesus die, but they didn't know that he was going to be raised from the dead. We have the benefit of 2,000 years of hindsight. So every time you hear a preacher like me criticizing the disciples for being cowards and being, you know, being weak and all this kind of stuff, tell, tell me and whoever says that to give them a break. Because I've, I know the rest of the story. They didn't know the rest of the story. Again, they saw Jesus killed on a Roman cross, and the Romans knew how to kill people. And so they thought it was all over. But we, looking back, we have an entirely different perspective because we, not only, we now know that Jesus was not only raised from the dead, we know that he took this group of people who were scared and who were demoralized and he, made the, he sent them out all over the world to change the world. And the echoes, the reverberations, the shockwaves of that movement continue to move out through the world today. We see the evidence of it now. And we also know that because of what God did on Easter morning, because he raised Jesus from the dead, that all those doors that were once closed, now they're open, starting with the tomb itself. And all those, all those things that hem us in and break us down are now overruled by him. There is something bigger. And so anytime... Poverty depletes us. We can imagine something bigger than poverty. Anything, anytime death scares us, we know that death is a broken power. Anytime violence threatens to beat people down, we know that there's a way beyond violence because after all, Jesus died one of the most violent deaths of anybody in history, and yet we see that there's still life behind that. Even though we see sickness, even though we see depression, even though we see the breakdown of the family, even though we see all of these things, if we believe in the resurrection power of God, if we believe in that last fact of Easter morning, 
then that opens our imagination to all of those other possibilities. It's widely believed that the two of the most imaginative people in the 20th century were Albert Einstein and Pablo Picasso because they knew the facts so well that it opened their eyes, it opened their hearts, it opened their minds to incredible possibilities. Leading Albert Einstein wants to say, this can't all be an accident because God does not play at dice. Imagination opens the door for us to see beyond this current crisis. These, these new leaders, you, you are here in this COVID generation. And there are a lot of people who are thinking this must be the end. But, but if we know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, then we know that God has something beyond this situation. Now, of course, all of this is meaningless without the fourth element. And that fourth element is love. Jesus summarized all of the law of God and the preaching of the prophets by saying that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then, because he's God and only he can do this, he said, a new commandment I give you, that you shall love one another as I have loved you. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb that morning because of her love for Jesus. At first, she went for, out of memory, out of love for his, out of gratitude for him because of all the things that he had done for her. You know, Mary Magdalene at one time was possessed by seven demons living in her own personal walking hell, destroyed, self-destructive, in pain constantly, and Jesus set her free from all that, turned her around, and so if for no other reason, just out of respect or a sense of duty or gratitude, she went to the tomb that morning. But when she saw the risen Jesus, what was just the past power and love of memory became the present power of relationship and love because of relationship. No longer was he just a distant figure who had died in the past. He was present there with her. He called her by name. He said, Mary. And she knew it was him. And what was just the love that came from memory became the love of presence, the love of the reality of who he is. But it was love that motivated her to go to the tomb in spite of the fears of imprisonment and, and, uh, and abuse or, or arrest or, or persecution. She was still in danger. Associating with Jesus at that time was a danger. But she went out of love for him. It's amazing. Love is a motivator. The Apostle Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give, all away, if I give away all that I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Paul says that of the three great virtues, faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. Why? Because love is the driver. We can have all the energy in the world. We can have all the insights and understanding to marvel the ages. We can dream God-sized dreams and redemption-sized dreams with an empowered imagination. But it is love that turns those three qualities outward making us servants of our servant king. You see, history is filled with leaders who had energy, intelligence, and imagination. 
And those qualities, when people use them to serve themselves or use them to to serve only their own tribe or only their own families or only their own interests exclusively can become a horror show. Without love, great energy, intelligence, and imagination can become perverse and horrifying. If you don't believe that, look at the early 20th century, the rise of Nazi Germany or the communist, uh, communist spread across the world throughout the 20, uh, 20th century. Great movements of very energetic, intelligent, and imaginative people absolutely bent on evil because they were not about love or about misguided, idolatrous love at least. Great resources can fuel the fires of great evil in the absence of love. So here's the question. You may be a person of great energy, intelligence, and imagination, but are you willing to use those gifts in service of our servant king to serve his people? Why did God give Mary Magdalene these qualities and why does he give leaders of his church these qualities? He gives them to us so that we can fulfill his mission. Look at verses 8 and 9. And they remembered his words and returning from the, from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. The first thing that Mary did after she saw the risen Christ was go tell the others. You see, Mary's mission as a leader was not just to discover the risen Jesus for herself. Her mission was to go and share, was to go and proclaim what she had discovered. To go and proclaim Jesus. To go and tell the disciples that Jesus Christ is alive so that they could tell the whole world. That's the move from church membership to leadership. Leadership begins when we realize that the good news of Jesus Christ, both his death and his resurrection, his grace and his forgiveness, his life and his power, his kingdom and his love, those things are not just something I discover for myself, but these are things that I'm supposed to share with the whole world. Christian leadership is about taking all of our energy and all of our intelligence and all of our imagination and marshalling it for the glory and love of God our Father, of our neighbors, and one another. You know, again, I just drove halfway across this country twice. I didn't drive the whole way across the country. Don't do the math there. It's there and back, seven states. And I tell you what people need right now is they need Christians, not just Christian leaders like the officers you saw up here and me and others, they need Christians who are going to lead with energy, intelligence, and imagination and love to share the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ that we have. Because right now, from Washington, D.C. to New York to California to Austin, most people are operating right now on just Good Friday facts, not on Easter Sunday facts. And they are being pushed and crushed by a lack of imagination for what God can really do. And that's why right now, we don't need just elders and deacons, but we need all of you to be leaders of energy, intelligence, imagination, and love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today we come to you thankful that 
you have introduced the most important fact of the universe into our equation. You have shown us the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, and proven to us that you have the power to overcome death, poverty, injustice, pain, brokenness, mental illness, broken families, addiction, whatever we think can possibly stifle you or undo your plans or derail your purposes has been beaten by your son, Jesus Christ. And today, O oh Lord, we need men and women who will proclaim this newest fact that Jesus is alive and everything has changed. Lord, we want to be those people, but we can't do it without you. We are so wrapped up in our own sin and our own fear and all of those things that we need your power to set us free. We need your power to fill us. We need your power to encourage us. Lord, when we feel like we're not up to this challenge, we just need to remember that the most important thing that we can do to be your leaders is just to be available to you. Just to be those people who say, I don't want to get up this morning. But I know that you can give me the strength to stand. Lord, encourage us all day and in the weeks to come to be the people that this country, this world, and this church need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.